Hey everybody, this is Joel Hookshot from Whitesnake and you're listening to Sonic Perspectives. Hello everyone, I'm Rodrigo Altaf. If you're a hard rock fan, I'm sure you know who our guest is today. Joe Hoekstra is a former member of Night Ranger, a member of Whitesnake since 2014, and he also hits the road from time to time with Cher and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Joe, it's great to have you with us today, man. Hey, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Uh, it must be an exciting time for you with the new Whitesnake album, Flesh and Blood, soon to be released, right? Yeah, May 10th. Yeah. Looking to it, yeah. Yeah. So walk us through the writing process of Flesh and Blood. What were the writing sessions like this time? Uh, well, most of the songs would start with an idea from David, and then he would either ask Reb or myself, or sometimes both of us, to where we would build it out to. Mm. And some of the ideas began with like Reb's riffs or my riffs and we would build it up from there so uh, it was sort of a mix of uh, the three of us just putting our creative heads together and and uh, we got a really cool mix that I think represents this era of Whitesnake really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, what kind of starting point did you have? Uh, the bluesy beginnings of the band, the hard rock era, a mix of both or is it pretty much a blank canvas when you start writing and you want? Yeah, it's just whether or not David says yes or no to ideas. Okay. Or thinks it's right for Whitesnake, basically. Uh -huh. So if you play him something and, and it's not right, I mean, we're just, we're, he's real quick and real honest, and we have a great uh, relationship with that way because that's so much better than going down a road with something where somebody doesn't really care for it or they know it's not going to make an album or whatever. So uh, just very, very direct, very quick, and very. Uh, amicable and great and just creative and David's a really creative guy he, he, he writes really quickly and uh, uh, is an honor to be a part of it mm -hmm. and uh, at which point in time did the other members of the band get involved did they have a say in the writing process as well or just the recording Uh, just a recording. I mean, everybody, of course, has the creative input of their own part. It's not like they have a scripted part that, like, now you're going to sit down and play this. Everybody can come in with their their two cents. And, and there are times where uh, arrangements and things like that are tweaked from people's suggestions. Uh, mm -hmm. But in general, the writing process was being and myself. I see. And, uh, well, we did a great video for the first single, Shut Up and Kiss Me. And there's also a lyric video for uh, Trouble Is Your Middle Name. Uh, are there plans for uh, other videos from the new album or not? Well, there's uh, the audio for the song Hey You has also been released, so people can check that out as well. So there's three singles up, and I'm not really at liberty to discuss any future plans of like videos and stuff like that, but that's, those are the three that have been released at this point. Okay, sure. Uh, and uh, for you particularly, it must have been a bit unusual to join the band, and the first studio effort you played in uh, was the Deep Purple album. Was this discussed uh, with you before you joined or not? Yeah, David said what they were doing and uh, what they were working on, and uh, I thought it was a great opportunity to join the band, make an album, and go on tour and support it. And mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't too hung up on whether or not I was going to get to uh, write it or anything like that. It still was a creative endeavor. Uh, Reb had basically played the one guitar part that was on most of the Deep Purple songs, so I had to, 
could have as many keyboards. So I had to think about what would a second guitar part be a lot of times. Or um, People don't really understand, I think, how much some of those songs were reimagined and, uh, from the originals. So it, it was more creative than people give it credit for. Yeah, I have to agree, man. And what, what was it like for you to sort of reimagine the, the solos of Tommy Ballin and Richie Blackmore? Well, most of the time I didn't cover their solos because David didn't want that. He okay. really just wanted it to be like White Snake. If 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 you were bringing those songs to White Snake for the first time, what would you play on it? Was kind of more of the thought process. So right. there was a couple things that I played where I I because it was just so great that it was like all right, like Gypsy, like the uh, the the melody that Richie plays, and uh, you know there was stuff that obviously was like all right, that's got to be on there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, they're, they're for the most part, uh, for the most part, uh, we try to do our own thing with it. That was the goal. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, releases, there is another Whitesnake release this year, the reissue of Slide It In, with six CDs and a DVD. I think you were a teenager when this album was released in 1984. What would you have thought uh, back then if someone had told you uh, one day you'd be playing with Whitesnake? I would have thought they were crazy. <laughs> I I, I kind of grew up in an area where you, you're not really supposed to live out your dreams or get out of there. And so for me to be doing any of the stuff I'm doing these days is, is awesome, dude. I see, I see. And, uh, well, going back to the new album, how did you and Red Beach split the guitar duties? I mean, who takes what role in the harmonies and who has, got, has a go at which solo and so on? Uh, well, we know each other pretty well now. We've been playing together here about four or five years. So, mm -hmm. as far as solos go, I usually just my Reb will pick out what he wants to play over, um, and he he's got things that he prefers to jam over than others. And and honestly, I kind of don't. I just like whatever. I'm just happy to play on on anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the way that works. And as far as like rhythms go, we just tried to have each of us play on each of the songs. So it sounded like a, a Les Paul and a, a Super Strat essentially playing on uh, playing on every song and uh, yeah, I mean that's basically the way it works. And even live, it's like that way. Rev just picks out what solos he wants to do, and I do the rest. So um, it's it's great. We're, we got a good working relationship. He's he's really easy to work with. Okay, uh, there's quite a lineage of great guitar players in this band: Doug Aldrich, Adrian Vandenberg, John Sykes, Vivian Campbell. Mel Galley, the list goes on and on. Uh, have you ever reflected on that and you know thought about the legacy of White Snake that you're carrying the torch of? Or uh, yeah, I mean all, all the time. It's just an honor to be a part of that. But uh, when it comes to the day to day end of it, it's more about just doing the best you can do. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. Like I, I, I don't wake up every day thinking about uh, all the guitar players that have been through the band. I just wake <laughs> up every day just trying to. Uh, make sure I work hard and that I'm true to myself and uh, in terms of like just giving giving my best effort and that's for the fans and for David and for myself mm -hmm. of course and uh, how would you compare the band dynamic of White Snake versus your previous band Night Ranger uh, well 
I'd say the biggest difference is that with Whitesnake, it's it's really David's band, and David has has been the champion of, of the brand over the years. And with Night Ranger, it was really just finding uh, the balance with the three original members, with Jack, Brad, and Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, because having three original guys meant a little bit more of, uh, you'd have three different opinions on things at times. So, I see. honestly, it could be. I, the guys, I, I had a great time at that. It was an awesome experience. But so, honestly, sometimes it can be a little easier with White Snake because it's really only making sure that David, that you're keeping David happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. And what would you say was the biggest lesson you learned from Dave so far? He's quite a, a showman. He, he knows the business is inside out, right? Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint anything. I, I, I guess as well. You know what he's David's really great at at focusing on positive energy and and uh, being a positive guy, mm-hmm. and that's something that um, you can really start to notice if if you're bringing a negative energy with you. Uh, you, know, you kind of learn to spot that in yourself and go, okay, well, you don't do that. There's no reason to be. So he's just always very positive minded, and that's uh, I've definitely learned from him in that department. Mm-hmm, I see. Uh, and you're already playing Shut Up and Kiss Me, Trouble is Your Middle Name, and uh, I think two or three other songs from Flesh and Blood. Uh, do you think there will be more songs after you album added to the set list or not? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, David can tweak it as we go. That's usually his call or suggestion. And I think what we're doing right now is working really well. Mm-hmm. Play a lot of the hits and and then basically focus on the, some, some new stuff from Flesh and Blood. And it's pretty amazing to watch people who haven't heard these songs actually singing along and respond because some of the choruses are just really just made for playing live mm-hmm. uh, all the, the gang vocals and so songs like Hey You and Trouble's Your Middle Name and Shut Up and Kiss Me those choruses people gr- uh, grab onto those right away live it's, it's fun to watch yeah I would love personally I would love for the title track to be added and also Sense of Time if there's a chance oh my god I, I love those two tracks <laughs> well the <laughs> <laughs> Reb would really love to hear the, you say that about Sands of Time. I mean, we, we played it in rehearsals. We played Sands of Time in oh. rehearsals. It sounded really, <laughs> sounded really good. So uh-huh. uh, it would be ready to go. It just, uh, yeah. It, there's only so much new stuff you want to put in a set. Though. It's, a, it's a delicate balance, right? You've got to keep the casual fan happy as well, the person who's coming to hear the hits and everything. Of course, there has to be a balance there. Yeah, there's so much history in Whitesnake, you know. Oh, yeah. inevitably people are going to be upset about the set list. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's, that's one of the certainties of life. Yeah, of course, yeah. And, uh, well, you also have a very unusual gig, at least from your musical standpoint and your upbringing, uh, as the guitar player of Cher. Uh, are you able to kind of cross-pollinate and use ideas of Cher's show in White Snake and vice versa or not? No, they, they're pretty different mm-hmm. from each other. Although I, I think what appealed to Cher when I came into Sub was that the moments where I do step out, there's one moment where I hold the audience while she's doing a wardrobe change, and then there's two songs that step out and interact with her. Mm-hmm. And she likes, she did like a lot of the 80s hard rock stage presence that I brought mm-hmm. to it. And so that that's something that cross-pollinates, as you would say. Like, But in the other direction, it's like more like I'm playing like 
visually at least like I'm in White Snake, but I'm on stage with Cher. Uh-huh. <laughs> she, she likes that, so it's uh, it's worked out great. But uh-huh. hey, outside of that, they they're very very different. Uh-huh. I mean that 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 gig is you kind of are just in the background on a bandstand and you just play really solid rhythm guitar of, of a bunch of different styles throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's fans that are able to enjoy both acts or not really? Uh, that's up to each person, right? I guess how open-minded they are. I mean, uh, the Cher show itself is a really quality show. Mm-hmm. She's obviously uh, an iconic performer, so there's all these video clips interspersed of her career. And I, I mean, I think it's a very visually interesting show. She's got like, great dancers, and I mean, if you're a hard rock fan, I'm yeah, I'm pretty certain you could look at a lot of Cher's dancers and enjoy seeing them up there. Okay. Uh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some beautiful women dancing up there. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, but yeah, man, you know, uh, it. I guess that's up to each person. Yeah, of course. And tell us about the Trans Siberian Orchestra. How did you get involved in that? And how early in the year do you start to plan what the next show is going to be like? Uh, so Trans Siberian Orchestra. Alex Skolnick needed to take a year off back in 2010, and I auditioned couple friends of mine were in the band and, and recommended me so mm-hmm. I, I auditioned and got the gig and so I've been a part of it since 2010 and in terms of the planning of the show uh, the management and production team are working on that almost immediately throughout the entire year to get okay. that, the, the, the stage and everything ready uh, as far as the music work goes we usually get a set list or, or like a song list around the top of October-ish, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, we usually go to rehearsal some right about the end of October. So you got a few weeks to kind of get all the songs back under your fingers, know all the music before you get to that first rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there you go. And then we, we actually kind of figure out the running order of the actual show during the rehearsal process. So mm-hmm. It's not like a, this is going to be the set list. Okay, I see. And uh, you released a, a great album a few years ago, Dying to Live, under the moniker of Joe Huckstress 13. Uh, how soon can we expect a follow-up? And do you have any material already written for a second album or not? It's totally written, and Vinnie Appice is done with the drums. And oh, wow. Franklin is done with, done with the bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Allen has it right now. Uh, so we'll get Russ on there and hopefully get Jeff on there and hopefully Derek uh-huh. on keys again we'll see and, and uh, I gotta do my guitars there's no timeline on it because this stuff just kind of happens around everybody's schedules for mm-hmm. me. but uh, I, I like the songs a lot it's fully written and everything so uh, I, I think people will dig it yeah I, I love that first album man. and uh, I don't know if anyone told you that but uh, a lot of the songs on that album would kind of fit the White Snake out put as well you know maybe tweaked here and there but it's in the same vein I would say well some of it yeah. some of it I would yeah. say like that, that album I approached with the idea of the personnel in mind like having Vinnie Appice on drums obviously I wanted to have like a Dio influence which I, I grew up obviously wearing Holy Diver and Last in Line out like many people uh-huh. uh, 
so I wanted a lot of that. And then with having a guy like Russell Allen, where he can sing Dio so well, but he also sings like that soulful style, like Foreigner really well. I wanted some ballads kind of along those lines. So I described it as Dio at its heaviest and Foreignerish at its lightest, basically. Wow. Uh, was <laughs> the formula. So it wasn't as Whitesnake influenced, because I, I really wrote all those songs still when I was in Night Ranger. So they, they oh, okay. um, there wasn't anything in the back of my mind about make it sound like White Snake because you're in White Snake. <laughs> uh, and I'm kind of really rolling with the same mentality uh, this time around anyway, with it. I'm not really trying to make it sound like White Snake. Okay. I think that the Long for the Days had uh, moments where like it sounded like a White Snake ballad. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple things that would, would fit, but then there was a bunch of stuff that wouldn't fit under Whitesnake at all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, going back to Whitesnake, you have about 40 days booked this year, including a, a big show at the Rock and Rio Festival. So I bet you're excited for the tour, right? Oh, absolutely, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> I want to play that gig. <laughs> Funny enough, my first exposure to Whitesnake was in the Rock and Rio Festival, the first one in 1985, man. Th that was when uh, Slide It In came out. <laughs> oh, kick ass. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, I want to thank you for your time and wish you all the best for the new album, Flesh and Blood, which will be released in May. And hope you have a great tour in the months to come, man. Thank you so much, man. Anytime. Appreciate the support and, and God bless. And, and hope to meet up face to face. Soon, no, no worries, man. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, everyone, for listening to this interview with Joe Huckstra guitar player of the hard rock legends Whitesnake. This interview is brought to you by the Hard Rock Live Event Center at the Seminoles Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, where Whitesnake will bring their flesh and blood world tour on April 25th at 8 a.m. Tickets for what promises to be a great night of hard rock are still available, and you can check out the links below for more information. Once again, I'm Rodrigo Altaf, broadcasting from Toronto, Canada, and I also invite you to follow us on the usual social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm gonna leave you now with the song Shut Up and Kiss Me from White Snake's latest album Flesh and Blood. Take care and rock on! <laughs>